Hunter Green is going to take a step forward this season. Just how much of a step forward? We'll tell you on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily source for all things Cincinnati Reds. I'm Stephen Offenbaker. He's Jeff Carr, and we love baseball. We love these Cincinnati Reds, and we have taken our love for the game and our love for this team, and we have turned it into information for you. Locked On Reds is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And on today's podcast, Jeff has a prediction for Hunter Green that should it come to fruition, will make him the Reds staff ace 100% no questions. We will continue to look at the National League Central, this time taking a look at those pesky little Pittsburgh Pirates. You'll note that Ethan Smith is not here because he was afraid. He was afraid to come debate the merits of the Pirates against the Reds, the coward. We're going to talk about those Pittsburgh Pirates coming up. And there are just 49 days remaining until opening day, Jeff. Can you believe it? We are going to take a look. Under 50. Under 50. We're going to take a look at the best Reds to wear old number 49 for the Cincinnati Red Legs. Before we get into any of that, today's episode, it is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your first purchase at GameTime. All right. You know what time it is, Jeff? It is time for predictions. We talked about the ridiculous predictions that the national people made on yesterday's episode. Predictions that just made me first really ticked off and then laughed out loud because they were so bad. These aren't those kind of predictions. You're going to make a realistic prediction that can be achieved in 2024. Correct. And that is the key here because, you know, we'll, we'll talk about bold predictions at some point in spring training. We've talked about that with some other folks on other podcasts and things like that. Bold predictions are fun and you can kind of go over the top. What I'm talking about can happen. We've already talked about this a little bit, looking at some predictions for this season. And again, we're writing these down. We're going to come back at them and see just how right we were. Hopefully we were right on most of them. Uh, We've already said that the Reds will win the NL Central and Matt McClain will be an all-star. Mark it down right now. Hunter Green is going to get at least 200 strikeouts in 2024. And I believe that this is a nuanced prediction because it's going to carry with it some important factors because last season he had 22 starts and 112 innings. In that time frame, he had 152 strikeouts. Now, just averaging out strikeouts per start, he had 6.9, right under seven strikeouts per start last year. That's accounting for some short starts innings-wise because he, you know, got his pitch count up way too quickly. Uh, And that's accounting for even the longer starts that he had, you know, midway through the year. So I think that Even if you take that and you stretch it out, I think that we're getting 30 starts from Hunter Green this season. I think he will be healthy. I think he's coming into the season knowing what he needs to do to get his body ready. We've heard him in different interviews, whether it be Red's Hot Stove League or or talking to other people on other podcasts where he says, you know, there wasn't an offseason for me. Like I I got back to work very quickly after a little bit of rest. And he's going to be ready to go. So I really think we're getting 30 starts out of him. We're getting 200 strikeouts just by, you know, averaging out that 6.9 strikeouts per start. 
but we're going to get so much more from him too. I just think that this is the beginning of that step forward for him. Yeah, I don't, I don't disagree. And, and I think at 30 starts, Jeff, um, he'll go well past the 200 strikeout mark. Looking at his numbers, uh, he I think he really only needs to squeeze in about four more starts around the 26 to 27 range to crack that 200 strikeout mark. Uh, we did the numbers there when we were doing our prep and it, it broke down to him needing like 26 and a half starts in order to hit the 200 strikeouts if he strikes everyone out the same rate in 2024 as he did 2023. To put that in perspective, perspective Graham Ashcraft 20 started 26 games for the Reds in 2023 that was the uh team high in game started from a pitcher and I think that is definitely within striking distance for Hunter Green you know we've been waiting right we've been waiting for Hunter Green to turn that corner and really to really go out and grab a hold of that that designation of staff ace the Reds want him to be the ace Hunter Green wants to be the ace we want him to be the ace, but he just hasn't quite gotten there yet. Uh, injuries have derailed him. Uh, a couple wonky things throughout his uh, his two years have, have gotten to him. So for me, I, I think this is the year. This is the year that he can go out and establish himself uh, in that next level of pitchers because he hasn't been there yet. You know, he's not that guy at moments. He's been that guy where he strikes fear in the hearts of the opponents, but he's not consistently that guy. And I think that's what we're looking for, right, Jeff? We're looking for that consistency. We're looking for him to take the ball every fifth day. We're looking for him to go out there and put up those numbers. And if he does those things, you are absolutely spot on 200 strikeouts. Well, within reach staff ace, well, within reach. I I think this is Hunter's year. Yeah, and I think that there are some factors that play into that, too. We saw last year he really started to work in a different movement to his fastball. Now, it's interesting. If you go to one of our favorite websites, Baseball Savant, they don't really record it as a different pitch. In fact, they just kind of group it under the four-seam fastball. But we know with our eyes what we saw. There are some pitches that break certain ways. And there were some pitches that break other ways. And he doesn't really have a changeup. Like he's thrown it the same amount of times the last two years. Like it's almost the exact same number of changeups both seasons. And as much as we want him to incorporate that into his game, the whole idea of that third pitch is just something that breaks differently from what his fastball and his slider offers because his slider is not a sweeper. His slider is just one of those that kind of dips down underneath the bat as they're trying to go for it. When they think that it's on the same plane as the fastball, it just dives down just a little bit underneath that bat. They, he needs something that breaks the opposite way, breaks away from left-handed pitching. And I think he was starting to work on that with the different grips on his fastball. And I think that that will only continue and, and we talked about this before with uh, different pitchers, and we've mentioned this on the podcast, Everydayers will remember, that the only time that a pitcher can really incorporate something new into their game is during the offseason. There's not like a point during the year where they can pause and, and add things to their game. Like Even when they're going on the injured list and doing a rehab stint in Louisville and all this other stuff, that's all about getting back. That's not about learning something new. So this offseason... I believe he went back into the pitching lab. He's got that third pitch, whatever it is, if it's a changeup, if it's just a two-seamer that breaks away from lefties, whatever it is, we're going to see that, and we're going to see that really up his game. He's going to be able to be more efficient because hitters are not going to be able to just know what's coming at them, 
and he's going to be able to turn that in. I mean, consider this, Steve. His first two years, he has been very solidly consistent in the top 10% of Major League Baseball in strike air percentage, 30.9% and 30.5% each year. Like he is, he knows how to miss the bats. He's going to couple that with the ability to miss barrels this season as well. Well, let's not forget, he is pitching against the best hitters in the world. These guys are going to adjust to him. These guys are going to time him up for lack of a better way to really explain that. And as he continues in this league, he's going to have to find ways to disrupt that timing, changing the way his pitches break. That's one. And and you really hit on the singular thing that he needs to do to disrupt the timing. And that is get that change up, get it nailed down and be able to use it consistency. If he does that, there's no stopping him. If he can keep hitters off balance with, you know, not knowing which way the ball is going to break, plus work in a change up on top of that, he could be one of the best pitchers in, in baseball. Yeah, and I think that it's important to note he doesn't have to have a five-pitch repertoire. We, we talked about that with Frankie Montas coming in, that he has a lot of pitches that he can use at any given time. We've seen it with the Braves and Spencer Strider. Dude only has a fastball and a slider, but he's able to work those in and out of the zone, and he's able to really mix them up well. Hunter Green, it kind of feels like there are some games where the slider works, and there's some games that they don't. If he can improve that consistency and still add in a changeup, he will become that ace that we're looking for. But I firmly believe, and the hardcore prediction on this is that, and the quantifiable prediction on this is that he will get more than 200 strikeouts, which, by the way, and I, I forgot to mention this, would be just the 21st time. There's only ever been 20 200 strikeout performances in the history of the Cincinnati Reds. So that would be a feat that we Reds fans are not accustomed to. And maybe we'll get two of them this year as well, Jeff, because that'd be, that'd be, that might be more of a bold prediction, but yeah, yeah. I like yeah, that. Maybe idea. so. Maybe so. This, this is what I know. Jeff Hunter green is going to be the guy that we hoped he was going to be. He he's had a slow and steady evolution since he came up to the majors. We set our expectations way too high out of the gate, but he has not disappointed with his work ethic. He is trying to achieve those heights. He is trying to reach those expectations. And I think you're absolutely right. This is the year that he could do it. This is the year we could see 200 strikeouts from him. And I am looking forward to him being uh, ace starting pitcher. Number one for the Cincinnati Reds in 2024. You know, we've, we've been doing this series where we compare the Reds to their division rivals. And today comes the pirates. And yes, we all know the Reds are better than the pirates, but I think that the pirates are a little bit better than we would give them credit for initially. I'll explain why coming up next. Before we talk about that, though, I want to tell you about game time because game time is the best way to get to the game or get to the event, get to the concert, the the stand-up comedy act or the theater event, whatever it is that you're looking for, game time has the best last-minute deals on that thing. And in fact, right now, if you want to go to the big game this Sunday, just use the code Vegas 100 on the game time app and you'll save a hundred dollars. That's all game time. Users can save a hundred dollars on big game tickets using the code Vegas 100 on the game time app today. They've got all kinds of great features on this app, by the way, Steve and I use this app all the time. And, and look, even if you go to different cities, we, we tell you all the time, we'll go down to the banks. We'll chill with a beer, maybe a, taco at Condado, maybe, you know, a, a hot dog over at the Holy Grail, something. 
we'll be chilling and we'll get last second tickets because game time's got the best prices on those. But if you're going to an away game, maybe you travel with the Reds, maybe you go up to Milwaukee, you go to Pittsburgh or something like that. Game time is still the best way to do it because they're all over the place. And they're right on your phone as well. Download the Game Time app today, and you can get that uh, the big game offer, Vegas 100, to save $100 on a big game ticket. Or you can use the promo code Locked On to save $20 off your first purchase. That's Game Time. They've got the last minute tickets at the lowest price guaranteed. Thanks as always for making Locked On Reds your first listen every single day. Every day is coming up tomorrow on the show. We got Aloha Friday coming at you, and we've been stacking up the Reds, comparing them to the other division foes. We're going to give you our division prediction and how we think it's all going to stack out. Yeah, we've told you that the Red, we believe the Reds are going to win the division, but how does everybody else stack up behind them? We'll talk more about that on tomorrow's Aloha Live edition of the show. And before we talk about these pirates, I want to remind you that you you should check out the Locked On Sports Today 24-7 feed. Locked On has created the first-ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube that uses all of the local experts like myself and Steve and the host of the national shows that cover every single league, cover all the angles of all the sports. Check out Locked On Sports Today 24-7 and subscribe to Locked On Sports Today wherever on YouTube you get your sports coverage because locked on as you cover. All right, Steve, the pirates, we know what we think about them. We know that uh, when it comes to the, the Pittsburgh pirates, we're not that worried about them. It's always interesting though, because I think if we're honest with ourselves, the reds and the pirates have been pretty similar over our lifetimes. I mean, at least over my lifetime. Uh, but when you look Sadly, at yes. When we look at how both these franchises have moved, it's just not been that great for either one. So when you talk about the Reds and the Pirates, knowing that everyone else outside of this conversation just sees them as the same thing. Now, last year, the Reds showed a separation. They showed that they are ahead of the Pirates in their rebuild. They showed that they are ready to go. The Pirates aren't necessarily there, but I believe that the Pirates will be a plucky band of buckaroos that while they won't contend for the division they're still going to be a little pesky to play yeah a couple differences emerged last season uh you know number one the reds had all that talent hit at the same time where it's been a bit of a trickle for the pittsburgh pirates the other thing i think and this is a key difference between the two teams right now is the reds front office with nick crawl in charge has presented a coherent plan about how they're going to address things and how they're going to move forward the Pirates haven't been quite as coherent. They, they've tried the youth movement approach. They've tried to do that. We're going to sign a couple of our guys and trade and rebuild and churn. They've tried that approach. They can't really compete in the open free agent market like the Dodgers or the Mets. Uh, right. Most teams can't. But they, they haven't really honed in and, and, and presented what their plan is going to be. And therefore, you get you get a mismatch. You get a hodgepodge of results on the field. Sometimes they're okay. Sometimes they're not. They were a little streaky last year. You know, uh, you know, the Pirates had themselves going to the World Series at the end of April. Uh, they yeah. they opened the season fairly strong, and 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 that dream disappeared and turned into a nightmare fairly quickly. It didn't help that O'Neill Cruz was only around for something like nine games 
2023 before the ankle injury sidelined him for the rest of the year. And that was disappointing because I was looking forward to watching him play throughout the year. I'm looking forward to watching him play in 2024. But I think for the Pirates, you know, the thing they need to do next is figure out who exactly it is they're trying to be. And until they do that, they're going to be a lower tier team. They're going to be at the bottom of this division because no matter what you say about, you know, St. Louis and they've decided they're just going to be old. No matter what you say about the Brewers, they have decided they're going to rebuild, but don't expect them to be down for long because they know how to build teams in Milwaukee. And now the Reds have presented a coherent plan. Pittsburgh's the only team in the division we haven't heard a plan from. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because when you look at the moves that they've made this offseason, it really just accentuates that point. They've added some pitching. They added a role to Chapman to their bullpen, and their bullpen was actually a little bit better than I think people would give them credit for last season. And then they added a couple of starting pitchers. They took advantage of the Mariners just trying to offload Marco Gonzalez. They got him for, I think it was just a player to be named later. It was somebody that wasn't that big of a prospect or something like that. And then they signed Martin Perez, which actually kind of surprised Rangers fans. I know our pal Bryce Patrick over at Lockdown Rangers just kind of had it penciled in that Martin Perez was coming back. So when he went to Pittsburgh, it, it shocked them. But does that really make their pitching staff that much better? I mean, now you're looking at the starting rotation. It's Mitch Keller and a bunch of guys. Maybe Johan Oviedo is okay. But, okay, so then you only have two guys. And then you hope that Martin Perez can pitch well. He didn't last season. You hope that Marco Gonzalez can do anything. And then who else is their fifth starter? They don't know. And then you look at their bullpen. Okay, you got Chapman. You added him to David Bednar and Colin Holderman and Dowry Moretta. But other than well, those let's guys. Talk about Dowry, Dowry uh, Moretta for a second. I mean, I mean yeah. Kevin Newman, Jeff. We got Kevin Newman in that deal. What are you talking about? You know what? That was, I, I want to ask you this. I want to ask yeah. you this because that trade, that trade still kind of boggles my mind. But I, I do want to ask you about Aroldis Chapman. Does it make you scratch your head as much as it makes me scratch my head? That that signing just doesn't. I mean, from a from a Pittsburgh Pirates standpoint, I mean, yeah, he's an upgrade to the bullpen, but but they're not all in. They're not pushing to win this division. You know, you know, you know what's, what's with that signing and and for yeah. and for Chapman also. Why go to Pittsburgh? I mean, were were his offers that bad coming off of a World Series season with the Rangers that he had to go sign with Pittsburgh? Well, but also remember that World Series run, he was the one that was providing all of the uh, stress for Rangers fans during the postseason. He was not the one that was getting rid of the stress. But I will say this. For him personally, don't understand this move. For the Pirates, this is the relief pitcher version of Will Myers. They are hoping that he regains form and they'll trade him by midseason. I don't see this as a move that the Pirates said, we are an Aroldis Chapman away from contending in this division. I think they're looking at this and saying, look, I mean, everybody but the Reds has somehow traded this guy for prospect value. So let's see if we can be another team that gets added to this list instead of the Reds. Uh, But I think that's their plan for this. And that might be their plan for Martin Perez as well. I don't necessarily know that Marco Gonzalez will be able to provide value for them, but they're a team that they've got a very young, uh, talented farm system. And you've got some guys that, I mean, Rowanzi Contreras was like supposed to be their best pitcher at the beginning of last season. And he had a horrible year and he was in between the majors and AAA and things like that. Can he regain what they thought they were going to get out of him? 
can Luis Ortiz be something for them in the starting pitching staff? Like the Pirates are a very interesting team, even more so than I, I I would contend than the Cardinals because we talk about the Cardinals and the tapioca pudding. Like at least the Pirates have some sort of future plan, and you can kind of see the vision a little bit. Plus, they got Paul Skeens, who we will see at some point, number one overall pick from last year's draft. But I don't necessarily see them as being a huge threat other than the whole like Reds pirates rivalry where they always seem to be neck and neck 50, 50, things like that, which by the way, that rivalry is totally different than it was, you know, five years ago. This is more of a respectful rivalry now than it is a fighting, right? It it changed when they got rid of Clint hurdle. That really, that really changed everything in Pittsburgh. Uh, Let's circle back in on Dowry Moretta for just a second, Jeff, because he really did become the guy that got away. Didn't he? He, he appeared in 55 games last year for the pirates through 58 innings strikeouts per nine, Jeff, 11.8, his walks per nine, a little higher than I like at 3.7, but he really pitched well. And you look at his ERA at 3.72. Let's dial in on a number. You love FIP. His FIP, Mm -hmm was 2.93 mm. i okay it's evidence that nick crawl ain't perfect i'll tell you that because i don't see the vision with that trade i mean you got kevin newman for one year and, and you got kevin newman like oh uh, wow what a deal like dowry moretta would have been so great in this bullpen last year you, you talk about a bullpen that really came out of nowhere Dowry Moretta just never got a chance here. I don't know what it is that the Reds saw. I don't know what it is. Maybe Derek Johnson just saw something he didn't like. And maybe Dowry Moretta caught lightning in a bottle last year, and he's going to revert back to the player that they thought he was. But it certainly looks right now that the Pirates won that deal pretty handedly. Can you imagine if the Reds bullpen in 2023 had both Dowry Moretta and CNL Perez in the bullpen? In 2023, I think they make the playoffs. <laughs> I think it would have been a real difference maker. <sighs> to to admit that they missed CNL Price, he was horrible here. Like, that's the thing. Like, okay, Darren Moretta, Darren Moretta didn't get a lot of run. Wasn't that great in the short run that he got, but I never feel like they let him off the leash. We gave CNL Perez plenty of chances, and he was horrible here. And then he goes to Baltimore, and he figures it out. But, no, I, I I know this, though. When I'm looking at the Reds versus the Pirates, I know that the Reds got the Pirates on this one, but there's not going to be easy matchups with this team. There's no. going to be some There's going to be some very tense games, I think, between these two teams. I just I'm think not- that the Reds are the better side. How much fun is it going to be to watch O'Neill Cruz and Ellie De La Cruz play against each other all season. I missed that last I mean, year. Never I, can't mind, I did too. Year. I mean, never mind the whole, like we're diehard Reds guys or whatever, but just from a, just from a baseball fan standpoint, just from a, a love of the game standpoint, that is going to be electric watching those from two a guys. Visual standpoint. Guys. Like they're both tall. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I saw O'Neill Cruz last season, Jeff, in the first, uh, first series of the season. Um, I had those diamond seats for the first time ever. I got to sit down. That, that is a huge human being. O'Neill Cruz. Yeah. <laughs> Huge. Yeah, he is he is he's nuts. Like that's gonna be even funny. Like I'm just imagining if for whatever reason he finds his way to second base and there's like a, a camera shot of Ellie on one side and then Matt McLean on the other side. Like patting him on the head. Like, just, them. Like, yeah. They're both patting him on the head saying, Good job there, <laughs> Matty. I need that picture. I need that picture. 
<laughs> All right, Jeff, listen, while we know that the Pittsburgh Pirates can be fun at times, I do not consider them a serious contender or a serious challenger at all in the National League Central, but there will be fun matchups and fun things to watch as these two teams compete with each other all season long. All right, Jeff, guess what? There are just 49 days remaining until opening day. And we are going to take a look at a couple of the best reds to ever wear the number 49 coming up in just a minute. But before I get to that, I want to shout out one of the sponsors of today's podcast. And that is FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all of you who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is going to roll around and you're going to be looking at scoring the best seat on the couch with all of your favorite snacks within reach. And you're going to be placing some super bets. And right now, new customers at FanDuel, if you join today, you are going to get $200 in bonus bets back if your first $5 or more bet wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. FanDuel also has a lot of baseball bets that you can make. The Reds win total over under currently is set at 82.5. It hasn't moved yet. It will move. Mark my words. So get in there on the over right now. You will thank me later. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to start turning your sports knowledge into cash. FanDuel is an official partner of the National Football League and the official sports book of Locked On. You can follow us in between episodes on social media. You can follow us on X. You can follow me at S Offenbaker with two Fs. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three Fs because spelling's been hard for him his whole life. And you can follow the show at Locked on Reds. There's no Fs in that. Also, if you haven't done so, make sure you bookmark InsideTheReds.com. James Rapine's over there writing. Jeff's over there writing. I'm over there writing. So many talented writers writing about the Reds every single day. That's InsideTheReds.com. You can also get on our Discord community. The link for that is down in today's show description. We're talking Reds baseball over there. There's off-topic channels to talk the Bengals. There's a channel to talk about David Bell. There's a channel to talk about the prospects. There's all kinds of things. There's a conversation going on for everyone. We hope that you join us there. All right, Jeff, 49 days to go to opening day. I can't believe it. I've got my flights booked. I've got an inside track on tickets. I am ready for some beers over there by the Budweiser bar, and we're going to do it. But until then, we have a lot to talk about. And on our countdown of 49 days to opening day, we get to look at a couple uh, really, really good relief pitchers that played in different eras, but both won World Series championships with the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, the guy I want to start with is the most recent guy to win a World Series championship wearing number 49 for the Cincinnati Reds, and that is Mr. Crazy himself, the one and only Rob Dibble, the Nasty Boys bullpen in 1990. Uh, Rob Dibble had phenomenal years, Jeff, in 1990 and 1991. He was an all-star in both years, and in fact, his 1991 was better than his 1990. In 1991, Jeff... Rob Dibble's K's per nine was 13.6. His walks per nine, 2.7. He was amazing in 1991. He is a guy, and, and looking at these two players, it's really hard to distinguish between Rob Dibble and the next guy because when you're looking at number 49, I, I just, I, I really like both these players, and they both presented themselves in different eras like you mentioned different world series teams so we have different memories of both of them and i i think that for me i'm actually going to pick the next guy i i don't know like rob dibble was a fantastic pitcher out of the bullpen 
but so is Raleigh Eastwick. Raleigh Eastwick really got things going in the big red machine. And, and I know, I think that there's probably a big red machine bias that will probably say, yeah, it's Raleigh Eastwick over right. Rob Dibble, but I don't necessarily know that it's a big differentiator. I think it's probably six, one half dozen, the other, because both these guys had great careers as relief pitchers. Yeah, let's before we move off of Rob Dibble completely, I just want to shout out his 1990 also, the year that the Reds go wire to wire and win the World Series, the Nasty Boys bullpen of Dibble, Charlton, and Myers. Uh, if you were around for that, it was good times down at Riverfront Stadium while that team was playing. And, and, and in 1990, Rob Dibble threw 98 innings. He appeared in 68 games. His ERA in 1990, Jeff, was 1.74 for the entire season. He was money. But you're right, the other guy, Raleigh Eastwick, was no slouch. As a matter of fact, uh, he led the leagues the league in saves in both 1975 and 1976. Uh, and as you know, the Reds won World Series in 1975 and 1976. In those years, Jeff, he finished third in 1975 in Rookie of the Year voting, and in 1976 he finished fifth in Cy Young voting as a reliever, and he also was voted for MVP. He finished 13th in MVP voting in 1976 as a relief pitcher. Uh, you're probably correct if we're picking the greatest red to wear number 49. It is probably Raleigh Eastwick. And just to kind of point this out, because, and, and I was curious about this, so I looked it up. Like, we always talk about relief pitching and, and how things are different now than they were back then. Could could this happen in the modern day? In 1975, Raleigh Eastwick pitched in Game 2, Game 3, Game 4, Game 5, and Game 6 of the World Series. Like, you talk oh, about I high pressure, that's it. That's the highest pressure that you can get. And in Game 4, he actually threw three innings. In fact, only two of those appearances did he throw one inning or less. Like, that is a phenomenal feeling, just looking at those kind of performances from guys back then. Like, it's such a different landscape now when it comes to pitching. But that's the kind of thing that you look back on. You're like, man, a lot of respect for a guy that was able to do that in the World Series. That's not even during the regular season where it's like, okay, some games are a little bit more stressful than others. Like, no, that's the highest stretch you could possibly have. Yeah, this is definitely a good group of relief pitchers to wear this number, Jeff. Let's let's take a stroll really quickly and talk about some of the other names, just because that's always fun. The most yeah. recent guy to wear number 49, your hero, Jimmy Herget, was the last <laughs> player to wear number 49. That, that weird delivery that he had. That was so that's right. Your absolute hero, Jimmy Herget, number 49. Also wearing number 49, Tony Renda, Felix Heredia. He wore it. Denny's Reyes for three years uh, in a row yeah. wore number 49. David Weathers wore it for a year. A uh, couple other guys. Let's see. Rob Dibble, of course, we talked about. Joe Price wore it for a number of years. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven years Look. was Joe Price from 1980 to 1986. Uh, and then we get to Raleigh Eastwick. Going further back in time, Dave Tomlin, Joe Black, Corky Valentine in 19. Yeah, we are burying the lead here. The first ever red named Corky. And maybe he's the first ever. I don't know. I'd have to go back through the history of the Reds to see if that's the first ever red named Corky. But well, he wore definitely not number... the most popular Corky. But no, yeah, not the most popular <laughs> Corky. But he wore it number forty nine in both nineteen fifty four and nineteen fifty five. And let's not forget the man that started it all in nineteen thirty eight for the Cincinnati Reds, we? Nino 
Bon Giovanni. Nino Bon Giovanni. I love it. 1938 wears number 49. He, and it's great because um, I don't, <laughs> I doubt that uh, our buddy Ken could well, get his That is the greatest hands. name. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know that he could get his hands on that jersey, but he kind of qualifies as an obscure former Red because of two reasons. He played for two years as a Red. He played a total of 68 games. And those were the only two years of his career. He never played for anybody else. Career red. There we go. I love it. Ken, I know Ken listens every day. If if you're listening, we need you to bring out the Nino throwback. Bongiovanni. Nino Bongiovanni. We need to see it uh, before next Reds Fest. I'll give you some time to pull it off. Heck, I might just I might just count count it if he wears a fedora to a game. I think we'll give him that. Uh, and that's where we're going in today's podcast. Thanks, everybody, so much for checking out today's Lockdown Reds podcast. Make sure that you're with us every single day. Subscribe. Hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcasting app or right here on YouTube and click that bell while you're on YouTube to get notified whenever we've got new content for you because we're going to be all with you all throughout spring training. And speaking of which, tomorrow. We have an Aloha Friday edition. We're going to talk about our predictions for the the standings of the NL Central and how they will look at the end of 2024. Plus, we'll take your questions and comments. What's uh, what's the folks going to be able to expect from us moving forward, Steve? Well, we got some exciting stuff coming along. Uh, we've got a couple minor leaguers lined up. I'm not going to drop names yet because I don't like to jinx it before we actually get the interviews recorded, but a highly touted ranked prospect by baseball America is going to be joining the show next week. We think, and I just found out that there is a player from Daytona that lives 20 minutes from my house that I think I'm going to get to sit down with in person and record an interview. Uh, that will be coming in the near future as well. In addition to all that, we'll be gathering up all of the rumors, monitoring the transactions, paying attention to what's going on in the rest of baseball and bringing all that information back right here to keep you locked on reds every single day. Crap, we forgot about Ichiro Cano Hernandez. Threads signed him. That's amazing. Tomorrow.